Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. Mike McDaniel not here today. Uh, he is a little bit busy, but I am joined by Mr. J.C. Zemble of the WolfpackCentral.com. J.C. covering NC State for the Rivals Network. J.C., welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate your time here today. We're looking to preview the Wolfpack, uh, the upcoming Wolfpack season. Uh, 2023 going to be year 11 for Dave Doran. It seems like there's been a, you know, there's a couple guys in the ACC that are, they're kind of becoming the old guard here. And it's, I think of him, I think of Dave Clawson, obviously Dabo, uh, Pat Narduzzi, but, uh, Dave Doran year 11. I, I was going to ask you, I guess, obviously a guy, there's no questions about job security here. Um, my question is, I guess for him kind of coming back after 2018. So, Eli Drinkwitz, Ryan Finley, there was a whole crew of NFL draft picks, everybody. Um, I was thinking things might kind of go downhill from there. And 2019 was a little rough, but with a bunch of injuries. And then since then, three years of eight-plus eight wins. Has there been anything that he's changed or that you've observed that's different that's kind of allowed him to have this second act at NC State? Or is it kind of the same as it always was and 2019 was just a blip? I think uh... – I think 2019 was a blip in some ways, but in terms of big picture, I think what Dave Doran has become is a CEO type where, you know, he's not involved as much on the day to, I shouldn't say day to day, but, you know, it's not like he's calling the plays. It's not like he's running the defense. It's not like he's trying to do a lot of different things and wear a lot of different hats where I think now, you know, he, he trusts Tony Gibson to run his defense. He you know, completely trust Robert and A to, to run the offense this upcoming year. Um, and I think that's just the way college football is trending anyway, because you look at it, you know, I mean, there's certain times of the year where recruiting and NIL and the transfer portal and trying to hiring assistant coaches, you know, it's it's very intense for the head coach these days. Now, they're, they're very well compensated for that intensity, but, you know, it's it's a different ball game now than, say, even five years ago. You know, in terms of 2019, you know, it was probably like a perfect storm where you mentioned Eli Drinkwitz. You know, he gets the Missouri or first half state job now. He's at Missouri. But Ryan Finley, Kelvin Harmon, and you throw in Jacoby Myers, you know, those were in Jalen Samuels and Naeem Hines. I mean, there were so many good players that all left at the, around the same time. And college football is all about the quarterback. You know, there's nothing anyone can convince me otherwise. We, we see it all over the place. Um, you know, probably the biggest reasons, you know, we, we've seen Florida State and Miami not have as much success as other than Jameis Winston, who's been the NFL quarterback. Now they're, they're hopeful Jordan Travis will be. And, you know, obviously Miami in the heyday was Steve Walsh and Vinny Testaverde and uh, at least on the college level, Gino Toretta and Jim Kelly and Bernie Kosar. I mean, it was on and on and on. So, you know, NC State did not have a logical successor for Ryan Finley. Um, Devin Leary was young, very young at that time, and then he got hurt. So, you know, between losing the receivers and the offensive coordinator and having an unproven quarterback and then the injuries, you know, 2019, you know, makes more sense than, than probably people realized at the time. They were going to take a dip. But I think what 2019 did is get a lot of younger players on the field and get those reps and get those experiences, even if they weren't always good. And that's kind of like the way NC State has been, is that younger guys take their lumps and then they win as upperclassmen or they do well as upperclassmen. And that that's kind of been the, the one, you know, good quarterback play, 
between Jacoby Brissett, Ryan Finley, Devin Leary, and then guy experienced guys. Maybe not too many first round picks. There's been a few. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, Ekamakwanu. I'm sure I'm for Bradley Chubb. You know, maybe I'm forgetting somebody else. But it's been guys who are. You look back, you're like, oh, three year starter. You know, guys that maybe um, by the time they're seniors, they're they're all conference caliber players. Maybe entered as three star recruits, but as seniors, all conference type players. There has been a lot of really good development guys that get significantly better from coming in from high school versus, you know, when they're leaving uh, as seniors. Have you gotten a sense to, I, I, I keep hearing Dave's name come up for various kind of high profile job searches. Um, is that, do you think he's trying to find a way out or do you anticipate him being in Raleigh basically as long as uh, NC State will have him? Yeah, I think he could be very, very picky. You know, I mean, he's got a good setup. You know, mm-hmm. there's... There's, there's pressure, but not not crazy pressure. There's, NC State is not like Auburn where you have to win within two, three years or you get fired. You know, it's not that kind of setup, you know, uh, traditionally. But, you know, I think the pressure for – and I think Dave puts pressure on himself is to compete for titles, to have 10-plus win seasons. Th- those are the things that have eluded him. Now, it likely I – mean, I'm pretty sure it would have happened if they had played UCLA in the bowl game, but, you know – Typical things, crazy things that happen at NC State four or five hours before the bowl game in San Diego, the game gets canceled. But, you know, I think it would have been a great game if it was health, completely 100% healthy UCLA versus NC State. But at least on that day, if, if UCLA was devastated, that would have been the 10th win. So that's something that's, that's alluded to NC State. Um, you know, they've had a couple of years where they're hopeful to, to break through and, and uh, represent the old Atlantic division, but you know, Clemson is Clemson. And then before Clemson, it was Florida state. So, you know, it hasn't been the easiest, easiest path, but uh, you know, I think those are the big things in terms of like jobs that have popped up here and there, you know, Tennessee had a very crazy job, you know, coaching search. And maybe in theory that could have been a place, but again, that at that time, Tennessee was a little on the crazy side. You know, and obviously it ended up with Philip Fulmer taking over as AD. Um, you know, he's been popped up for other jobs like Nebraska or Ole Miss as possibilities. But I don't think he, you know, I mean, I think it's the job of all coaches, agents, to get their clients to get their names out there. It's a compliment in terms of that means they're doing well. And obviously everybody wants to re-up and get as much money as they possibly can when they're doing well. Mm-hmm. So that that's how I've always viewed you know, certain coaches when it comes to uh, rumors, you know, that's the agent's job. He wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't trying to at least come up with something as a uh, potential leverage. But, um, you know, it wouldn't shock me, though, if, if we look back and Dave ends up at NC State for like 20-some years. I don't think he'll be that guy who coaches till his, you know, till he's like 70. I don't think he has that kind of um, long-range goal. And in the past, he's even talked about mid-50s, but I have a hunch that that he'll blow past that that mark at some point. So, I mean, like you said, I mean, you look at it like you know, the pressures have definitely increased the last few years with everything I just talked about before, but then so has the money. That's true. You talk about if he's there for 20 years, I mean, he's already halfway there if that's, if that's what he's trying to do. So um, one of the things you mentioned, JC, was that obviously, you know, a, 
it's I don't know that we're breaking news here saying that quarterback is the most important position on the field on the team uh, and really can kind of make or break a, a program's fortunes. Devin Leary transfers out to Kentucky, where he'll go play. Uh, Brennan Armstrong transfers in. He reunites with his old offensive coordinator from Virginia, Robert and I. One of the things that stuck out to me about that, Robert and I, uh, it went in, at least in his time at Virginia, it felt like they did some pretty creative, almost like unusual stuff on offense with formations, position groups, or uh, player packages, some of those things. With with Brennan Armstrong now with him in Raleigh, do you anticipate schematically that this NC State offense will look more like the one it did, uh, like what it did in, in uh, at UVA when he was there, or do you think this looks maybe a little bit more similar to what uh, Tim Beck has been running here the last few years? You know, that, that was one of the interesting questions that we had when when Anaya was hired. So when Tim Beck was hired, they kept the terminology you know, uh, from the previous regime. So I thought that was very interesting at that time. When Anai was hired, I asked him if he was going to keep the same terminology, and he said no. So that, that let me know, like, okay, everything changes. Players are going to have to learn from, you know, learn different things. Um, you know, in terms of Armstrong, it's like having a coach on the field, having um, someone who knows the language. You know, he can help the players out and know different things. You know, the the – Obviously, the fascinating thing with, you know, you mentioned Virginia, and then last year and I was at Syracuse. Now, he'll, he'll, he'll say that he will do a lot of the same things that he did at Virginia, but then there were some wrinkles that he added at Syracuse because they had a very good uh, ground game that might be different than what Armstrong had, you know, previously. So, you know, the, the million-dollar question is what version of Brennan Armstrong will NC State get this year? Now, I've, I've always maintained Virginia was a – I wouldn't say a near impossible situation for Armstrong last year, but it wasn't just losing coaches. You know, he he did lose an A and he lost his quarterback coach to Syracuse. I get all that, but he also lost an NFL tight end. He also lost uh, pretty much the entire offensive line from the sounds of it uh, to the transfer portal or going graduating or going pro early, whatever. You know, Billy Kemp gets hurt. You know, early in the season, good solid wide receiver. So all of a sudden, that, that Virginia offense of two years ago is, is down to uh, a, a very creative uh, flex tight end wide receiver type. And Wicks, who I think went like in the sixth round or fifth round or somewhere in the NFL draft at wide receiver. You know, obviously, there wasn't much of a running game. You, you know, I watched Virginia play Illinois early in the season. Their offense looked lost. Mm-hmm. You know, it was one of those deals where – you know, and Illinois had three guys in the secondary that were drafted. So, I mean, it was a very, very good secondary. But Virginia looked lost. So, you know, the struggles, obviously, I didn't watch a lot of Virginia last year, but it didn't really change. So, you know, the key is will Brendan Armstrong revert to two years ago, have the time from the offensive line, have the weapons from the receivers, have a ground game to, to balance things out, and then, you know, everything works out well. Um I do think one thing that, you know, is a nice option and, you know, Georgia Tech fans are familiar with MJ Morris a little bit from Carrollton, Georgia. Um, you know, I, he, for about a month, probably figured he was the guy, mm-hmm. you know, and then Brandon Armstrong and Nene come in and, you know, it was pretty much from the start, he was going to be battling to be this, you know, he was going to be a backup and they don't really have a, a proven third string. So it wasn't like, 
you know, he had competition for second string. But hypothetically, if the worst case scenario happens, Armstrong struggles, you know, there there is a lot of excitement about what MJ Morris could be. You know, he he flashed it, you know, second half against Virginia Tech, full game against Wake Forest, struggled against Boston College, then he was injured. So, you know, there's not a lot of body of work with MJ, but what we've seen was in very was encouraging. So my hunch is somehow, some way, the quarterback position will play itself out. I just don't know exactly how it's going to play itself out, but I do believe in the end, NC State will have a good situation, you know, probably for the second half of the season, one way or the other. One of the things we talked with Mark Ennis about with Louisville was that they might try to work in Pierce Clarkston for a drive or two in each game, get him some game reps, get him some experience. Do you anticipate something like that with MJ Morris, or is it he's a clear number two, comes in for backup quarterback duty, whatever that means? Yeah, I think it would be backup quarterback duty. I think in a in an absolute perfect world for everybody involved is Armstrong plays really well and stays healthy, and MJ Morris plays four games and gets to ha- preserve a redshirt year, which he didn't get to have last year because he played more than four games. So, you know, I, some will say, well, maybe maybe he won't use that extra year of eligibility down the road or whatever. You know, life happens. But if if NC State could have um, three years of starting of MJ Morris starting compared to two, then then that's a pretty good pretty good setup for NC State. So it's just one of those little things that will lurk throughout the season. You know exactly how much will MJ play, but the the reality is they have a, a true freshman quarterback as as the third stringer or a walk on is the third stringer. They don't have the typical third-string quarterback. So under that premise, odds are good maybe that MJ ends up playing more than four games. But, you know, you got to try at least at some point in the season, right? You got to maybe if they can get through five, six games, the the chances of getting, you know, through the the magic number of, say, what, eight games, uh, nine games if you don't count the bowl game. I don't know how the, you know, bowl eligibility counts, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. It's that's just one of those little nerd football type topics that'll pop up during the season whenever MJ hits game number four. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's take a quick second to remind you about section103.com. It is the Internet's premier place for all things wonderful, wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. They have T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. They got a couple of three-quarter shirts. They got buttons, stickers, all sorts of things. Thanks for men, women, children, something for the whole family. Every Georgia Tech fan in your life can use something from section103.com. Use promo code GOACC for 10% off your first order. Uh, they've got some new things all the time coming. Uh, recently came out with some new player shirts. Uh, shirts, you know, shirzies, I guess, as the, as the kids would call them. Uh, things with a logo on the front, a number on the front, and a number on the back, along with a name. they got shirts for both Zach Pyron as well as Dante Smith 
who kind of project to be Georgia Tech's starting quarterback and running back this year. So if you want to support those players, I believe they get some NIL money out of it too. So just you know, keep that in mind for what it's worth. Uh, they've got the Junior's Grill shirt. They've got all sorts of great, great products there. They've also recently come out with a clearance section. So if you're looking for some T-shirts or a couple of hoodies for a uh, slightly lower price point, go check out the clearance section. Once again, it is section103.com or at section underscore 103 on Instagram. Give them a follow. Check it out. All things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. Again, using the official team colors, the official word marks, everything. It is all officially licensed. It is super comfortable, super high quality. I love mine. You will love yours as well. Check out the performance wear if you're looking for things to keep you cool here during the summer. In any case, one more time, that is section103.com, the Internet's best place for all things wonderful Georgia Tech apparel. That's it for now. Let's get back to the show. Well, and I know Brandon Armstrong does have some injuries in his history, but as you mentioned or kind of alluded to, there's also some context of what was or wasn't around him that I think kind of contributed there. So uh, not, not saying it will happen again, but, you know, again, there is a little bit of a track record there. Um, JC, if, if you look at this roster and you had to pick out one or two areas that are really going to particularly be the strength of this team, what would you, what would you say? Definitely on the defensive side. Um, you know, they're, they have a lot of experience, you know, it's funny, you know, coach Gibson, the defensive coordinator, Tony Gibson, he just said literally yesterday, it's the best defensive line he's ever coached. And wow. he's, you know, he's been the defensive coordinator for, I think eight years now at difference between West Virginia and NC state. And obviously he's, he's coached other position groups in uh, much longer than, than eight years. But, uh, you know, it was one of those statements where it's like, okay, you know, that that's, that's interesting. You know, the, the linebackers should be very good. Um, in terms of, like, the very, very most experienced, biggest upside position is the cornerback spot with the starters. Uh, Aiden White should be a, an all-conference caliber player again. Missed the spring with an injury, but assuming he is back 100% and playing the way he did last year, you know, he's a, a legit candidate to draw NFL attention as a, as a junior. And then Shaheem Battle, is um, he's going to be one of those guys who could have the option of doing six years of college football because he redshirted because he got a he'll get a COVID year, and you know one way or the other he could end up saying like being a four or five year starter. I forget the exact number, but between the two of them, you know the two starting corners are, are very uh, well off. Um, you know, but in terms of the the unique thing about NC State's defense, why it's set up well for this year, there was a lot of concerned by some fans last year about what might the defense look like but i kept going back to the same thing it was unfortunate that there were injuries you know definitely not not uh definitely affected the defense the last two years having isaiah moore get his season cut cut short having Peyton wilson miss the uh 2021 season for the most part i think he played basically a game and a maybe a quarter or two quarters um, whatever it was when he got injured. Um, so the, but because of those injuries at linebacker, it opened up the door where Devon Betty and Jalen Scott got valuable playing time in the past. Payne Wilson came back this year, which was a shock to many, mm -hmm. um, partly because of his injury history in the past, where now he'll prove, you know, that he can get through the entire schedule and be hundred percent going into NFL workouts next spring. Um, you know, the defensive line, C.J. Clark has missed time in the past. He's now 
officially the, the full-time nose tackle, where he's played nose tackle and defensive end. Uh, Savion Jackson has missed uh, a chunk of games the last two years at defensive end. Um, there was Tyler Baker-Williams missed a chunk of time uh, in the past uh, at nickel, which opened up the door for, for players to get playing time like Devin Boykin. Uh, Tyler Baker-Williams is, is no longer – he graduated. So these past players who missed time, some who are back, some who have graduated, basically opened up the door where, okay, you know, Jalen Scott, Devon Betty, Jakeen Harris, Devin Boykin um, – Devin Van, to a certain extent, these are guys who got a lot more experience than they would have if everybody had stayed healthy, and the payoff is this year. So I don't think the de- the defense may not have as many um, playmakers in the front seven because Drake Thomas was an incredible playmaker to go with Peyton Wilson, but they'll be good. You know, it's still going to be a very stingy defense, um, and that, at least that's my prediction. Um, you know. They'll be, you know, they have veterans at safety. They'll get pushed. Um, Sean Brown is a younger player who, you know, could push. Caden uh, Fordham is an outside linebacker who could push. You know, they're they're excited about. Well, I think one of the reasons they're excited about the D line, they got they think they got eight legit guys for the rotation. You know, so even if one guy or two guys get hurt this year at some point, and defense linemen usually always get hurt because of the nature of that position then I think, you know, they have options. You know, Noah Potter's a kid who had big upside coming out of high school and then nothing but injuries at Ohio State. You know, got on the field some at Cincinnati. You know, now finally 100% healthy. You know, we'll see how good he is as a rotational defensive end. So there's different guys that that are pieces. Um, Maybe not glamorous, but you have to have depth. And pretty much there might be some, some battles at maybe for backup nickel or backup cornerback, you know, one of the safety spots. But in terms of depth, you know, State should be pretty good defensively. I look at the receiver position and losing Thayer Thomas, losing Devin Carter, losing Keon Lassane, top three receivers all gone uh, from Lassane last year. Is back. Oh, Lassane is back. Oh, yeah, sorry. Lassane is back. I, I missed that. Sorry. Um, but, you know, missing out certainly on the top two guys and two of the really go-to guys of the last few years for NC State, if I were to ask you what the, the weakness or where the biggest question mark on the team is, would you say that receiver room or is there somewhere else that you'd point to? No, I definitely would say the receiving options if you want to also throw in guys who are H-back types or, you know, how they'll get used in, in the new offense. You know, the problem, one of the concerns last year, even when Devin Leary was healthy, is they didn't have a home run threat at receiver. They didn't have that guy who could make the simple play and go 60. You know, and I think every good team needs to have that in their arsenal, whether it's a home run running back or a guy who could take the five-yard pass and go 60. But offense is a lot easier when you get big plays. You know, State was incredible defensively at making sure other teams didn't get big plays. But conversely, on offense, they didn't have many plays or – as Dave Dorn liked to refer to it as explosive plays. So that was a concern with Thayer Thomas and Devin Carter, who were both experienced long-term players. Um, you know, so the, the, the trend or the theme of concern about receiver, it really started a year ago because there was a lot of concern, like, oh, you know, passing game isn't really clicking. 
what's it going to look like when Thayer is gone? You know, now Devin could have come back for that extra year. He's now at West Virginia. You know, he had moments, but he was also inconsistent. But, you know, it's basically a brand new young group of receivers who around Keon Lassane who may make plays, but no one really knows until they actually do it. You know, a lot of people can project, but at the end of the day, you know, it's what you do. And I think Kevin Concepcion, a true freshman, will make some plays. You know, he was a guy that I was able to watch essentially three years of high school. Um, another true freshman, Javante Vereen, is one of those hybrid flex tight end types who basically is a wide receiver in a smaller tight end body. Or if you want to call him a jumbo-sized jumbo wide receiver, whatever you want to call him. You know, he's a proven playmaker in, on the high school level. Um, you know, one of the X, complete X factors who has battled injuries, um, came from the ranks of Georgia, was a top 250 recruit, and that's DeCorey Collins. Came to Clemson, had some flashes, and then he quit last September, you know, a year ago. So he hasn't played in a very, very long time. Um, could he be one a reliable wide receiver for the Wolfpack? You know, who knows? You know, the coaches know, but um, until we see him make plays, it's just hard to know. So, and then there's other guys who have been, were nice recruits and proven players in high school who, you know, could be good, you know, but haven't quite done it yet. And that would be Terrell Timmons, a, a true sophomore, Julian Gray, a redshirt sophomore, uh, Porter Rooks as a junior. These are, they're all guys who have the potential, but. You know, it's going to be very fascinating to see who becomes a big play guy, who becomes the guy that they go to on third and six, who's the guy they go to in the end zone, you know, or want to just call it the red zone. So there's there's a lot of roles and things that can happen with the receivers slash tight ends um, that are a little bit unknown. Um, if he stays healthy, and he usually has been healthy, just had a bad, bad run of luck last year, Converted running back slash H back slash tight end, whatever you want to call him. Sometimes I refer to those guys as a weapon. Trent Pinnix is a guy who could make some things happen. Um, you know, he's got great, good size. He's very fast, and he has had some nice big plays in the past. He just had everything go wrong with his with a shoulder injury in the season opener. I'm pre pretty sure it was a season opener, and it just never really, truly ever recovered the rest of the year. So that was a big loss to to the passing game last year, you know. So, you know, will there be a guy who catches eighty passes? No, I don't. I don't. You know, I don't think anyone's expecting that, you know. But if they could have three, four guys who can catch between say thirty-five and fifty passes, I think people, at least in the preseason, they'd be loving life if that came true. And I Look do think the running backs will will catch a lot of passes out of the backfield in this offense, where. They caught a few passes, but unless it was like a, a design screen, um, there wasn't a lot of. I, don't, I mean, I shouldn't. I mean, they'll catch. They would catch maybe twenty, twenty-five passes in the past. I'll be very curious to see how many dump-off passes go to the backs this year. Agreed. That was something that they did quite a bit of under Robert and I up at uh, up at Virginia, and and also at Syracuse, using that with mm -hmm. uh, Garrett Schrader and Sean Tucker. So uh, that's something we can keep an eye on as well. Let's look at the schedule here, JC. And, and one of the things that sticks out to me, I mean, there are a there are a handful of tough games here 
I see, uh, you know, obviously week two against Notre Dame, uh, late September against Louisville, October getting Clemson. Uh, going a- after that, you get Miami, and then late in the year, obviously to, to finish out the year, getting the, the rivalry game against North Carolina. But the thing is, all those games have one thing in common, and every single one of them is going to be happening at Carter-Finley Stadium. So how to you does that does that make a difference in your outlook on the season and the schedule? If you do have a handful of tough games, but every one of them is at home versus you know some or all of them being on the road. I think it definitely makes a difference, especially if it's a night game. Um, you know, at one point pre-conference jumble action with the Coastal and the Atlantic. I mean, shoot, it would have been it would have been Florida State to go mm-hmm. with Notre Dame and Clemson this year. And all of a sudden, and I think at one point, maybe for non-conference, Cincinnati maybe was in the mix, who could be pretty good this year. I'm not quite sure how good Cincy is. But there was a point where it's like, oh, you know, NC State's losing guys. They might be a a, a good team, but that schedule is going to be very tough. Um, You know, UConn is the opener. They crushed UConn last year. And to Jim Moore's credit, because I don't even know how he did it, but they ended up winning five out of eight games, lost the bowl game. So really five out of seven in the regular season, lose the bowl game. And, you know, to me, it was a minor miracle that, that UConn won six games last year. Um, I think the, the final of that game was 41 to 10 against state. And the touchdown by UConn happened with like two minutes left, probably against the deep reserves. So it was, it was that kind of game, you know, everybody, I mean, no one knows what Notre Dame has. They'll just assume that they're good. You know, and I don't know who Notre Dame's playing in week one. I don't think they're playing anybody that's, like, scary good. But the assumption will be is that Notre Dame will have a very good team when uh, they play NC State. Um, obviously, in these parts, everybody pays attention to Clemson. And, you know, Clemson did very well against State last year. Um, two years ago, you know, State had them. You know, they beat them. Uh, took over a couple of overtimes, but they beat Clemson. Last year, down in Death Valley, and that was a place where I think playing on the road did make a difference. Um, you know, it just wasn't their night. It wasn't NC State's night. And it's it's kind of, kind of one of the crazy things is that DJ Ungabale played really good. You know, ran the ball well, passed the ball well, uh, looked very comfortable. And then, from all accounts, a uh, couple, say four or five weeks later, you know, people were not so happy about DJ Ungabale at Clemson. So, um, you know, I think the schedule sets up okay. Um, you know, who knows what UNC will look like at the end of the year? Who knows what Miami's going to look like? I mean, there's a lot of ifs in the ACC this year. Um, I think that's reflected in the polls that there isn't a lot of uh, people gung-ho about what the league might do. But, um, you know, I think, I think State is a team because of how they have to develop playmakers on offense. They should get better as the season goes on. You know, I don't think the defense will will be exposed too too many times. Like I just can't see this defense having teams score thirty plus points on them too many times. But you know, the question will always be until it's proven. You know, can State win? Um, you know, a thirty three to thirty game. You know, I wouldn't. I don't know if even in today's world, I don't know if that's considered a shootout. Some of these teams are scoring in the 40s, you know, but, you know, but state, it, it's going to be interesting how many times state gets to say 28 points, which I think is the magic figure. If state doesn't score more than 28 in a game, 
I think the chances are good that they'll do well. Um, it just there'll be some teams that it might be a struggle to get to the twenty-eight point mark, and that that's that's kind of like the the little rule of thumb I think with the Wolfpack this year. Um, I assume whoever the kicker is that he'll be solid. They brought in a transfer from Western Kentucky who um, was a Lou Groza Award semifinalist in the past two years ago. But walk-on Colin Smith apparently has given him a good run this camp and during the spring. So, you know, it's not prove, it's not absolutely set in stone yet that Braden Narvison is the kicker, but whoever the kicker is, I'll assume he's pretty good. And then uh, the punter last year was a real revelation where the starter got hurt. Walk-on Caden Nunkester comes in. Basically had one bad punt, you know, over the last five, six games. Uh, he shanked one against UNC, and that's that's the only real bad punt that I can remember. So he was a true weapon, which you kind of need as, in college football. Um, Julian Gray is back as a kick returner. Uh, the previously mentioned Kevin Concepcion could join Gray as a kicker punt returner. I think they'll be okay in the return game. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting. But, you know, assuming the kick, I think they'll have a lot of close games, so they'll need a good kicker. You mentioned, you know, obviously on offense, some questions, breaking in a new coordinator, new quarterback, new receiver room, all that stuff. But there is kind of this runway here. Other than the Notre Dame game, you start, as you mentioned, at UConn, then you get VMI and then at Virginia before hosting Louisville there at the end of September. So a little bit of warm-up time, but like you said, probably an offense. If if everyone kind of stays healthy, stays together, they probably get better as the season goes on. Um, So something to keep in mind here. Uh, JC, do you have a record prediction for how the NC State uh, how NC State will finish up this year? Well, if it's like anything that is always NC State, that usually revolves around an eight and four regular season. Um, it's almost uncanny how many years it's eight and four, or seven and five. Um, Set your watch you know, by it. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just one of those deals. You know, I always kind of judge it like this. I think they'll have a good regular season. I'm not going to, I don't know if they'll win like nine, 10 games, but you know, state, I judge a good year is who state will get in a bowl game. Um, No disrespect to some of the past bowl opponents. You know, like I said, if, if UCLA had been a hundred percent healthy, no COVID, no issues, that would have been a great bowl game. You know, they were, they, UCLA was coming on strong. They were putting up big numbers. They had NFL guys at tight end, the running back got drafted high, you know, experienced uh, quarterback. I think even one of the other receivers made the NFL. So that that was a nice team, you know, where sometimes you get into a bowl game and, and I know state really bad. Like I said, they really want that 10th win, but if it comes against a team that, you know, coach left, <laughs> coordinator left, five guys are sitting out because they want to preserve their NFL draft stock, you know, it's 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 a different. It's, I mean, that's twenty twenty three. You know, that that's just the realities. Coaches leave, and um, December has now become like this crazy month where head coaches or assistants leave. You're trying to sign your your recruiting class in mid December. Kids are planning that whether they're going into the portal. You trying to get guys to come to your school from the portal, and you might have to hire new assistant coaches. I mean, there's just so much on the plate. And then you play a bowl game, you know. So, you know, I, I look at it as like if they can win eight games and then play in a, against a really good bowl opponent that will get people to watch on TV and get excited, I think that's a good year for NC State. 
point well taken about you know bowl games have always been exhibitions, but they are really really exhibitions now. Uh, it's it, it's uh, like you said, it's more about the matchup probably than uh, than actually winning or losing in a lot of cases for uh, determining success. Um, I'm with you. I, I think probably just you know. Do the simple thing. Keep it right down the middle. I'll just take eight and four as the the record for the season. I was tempted to say nine and three. Um, I again, I do like that their toughest games are all at home. I think it, there's a good chance they can pick off at least one of these teams um, at some point. But as we've said, you know, questions about uh, the the offense in general, what that will look like, how quickly it'll gel. Um, I, I guess I'll I'll tamp down the expectation just a little bit. But I, again, I was tempted to go nine and three, and and like you said, that defense should be very very good. Um, so we will have to see JC. That's all I've got for you today. Really appreciate your time here. This has been uh, incredibly informative. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Uh, do you want to tell the people real quick where they can find your stuff? Well, on, on Twitter, we're, the, we're at NC state rivals, real simple. Um, the website is the Wolfpack Um, we have a recruiting web, uh, recruiting YouTube page. That's, uh, basically under my name. Uh, at J.C. Zumble, I believe, on YouTube, where uh, basically any good basketball or football recruits that I see, and I see a lot of them, a lot of them, um, throughout ACC land or end up at ACC colleges. Um, the, a lot of the recruits are on that site. Uh, all the team coverage stuff, like post-practice interviews, uh, post-game, the Zooms and whatnot that involves uh, NC State, that is uh, under the Wolfpack Central uh, on YouTube. So, you know, that way, if I always I kind of separate it a little bit because in recruiting, you know, state could be on a guy and then six months go by and then he picks another school. And, you know, maybe NC State fans don't want to see uh, said recruit that picked uh, a rival school. So sometimes it's nice to give them the option where if they just want NC State stuff, they can go to Wolfpack Central on YouTube. They just want recruiting stuff or fans of other colleges can see the the recruits and the highlights and the scouting videos that I do. Um, so, you know, Wolfpack Central on the Instagram. I mean, I just started threads, <laughs> which is, you know, another crazy 2023 thing, but you just never know. It always feels like every four months there's a crisis with Twitter. So, <laughs> um, if I we think, even make it that far, <laughs> well, it was fascinating. Um, you know, all it takes is one tweet, obviously for, for Elon Musk to set people in a panic and, this past week, it was about taking away the blocking tool, which, you know, I don't have to block a lot of people, but I can only imagine, you know, the, cele the, the celebrities with massive followings. And then, you know, four or five hours later, they're like, yeah, that's kind of, it's illegal. You can't take away the blocking tool because then they would remove the app from the stores. So, you know, it's just funny how it, Morty could start with a crisis and then <laughs> by mid-afternoon, crisis is averted, but... You know, that's, 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 you know, I shouldn't even, that's X in 2023. So <laughs> there's a lot, a lot of different variants, but yeah, I mean, there's anything that basically involves NC State rivals. I'm sure there's a way to, to Google it. Absolutely. Please do. Highly recommended. JC, thank you so much for your time. We are going to get out of here and come preview. Uh, we have one final preview to record, so uh, we're going to come back and do the that. next team. That would be your in-state rival, the uh, the UNC Tar Heels. So, oh, okay. Uh, they're, they're our final final team to record. Here, so. Here's the question that people want to answer in the triangle. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the, the big focus is the fact that they reworked their entire secondary. Mm -hmm. But I think the sneaky focus is UNC only had 17 sacks, I think, last year. 
Mm-hmm. And they have all these talented defensive linemen from high school. At, at whoever you have on, ask ask will UNC actually blitz? Mm. That that will be the the major major emphasis for UNC football, at least in the first few games. Will they blitz and actually get pressure on the quarterback? I think that's been the biggest um, biggest like what is going on there thing of the Mac Brown era round two is the number of talented, talented guys that have gone there and seem like they just haven't gotten better. And the results have been pretty, uh, pretty hard to come by, especially on defense. Well, the two linebackers are very good. Cedric Ray and power Eccles and Georgia tech people. I'm sure we're not happy with Nate McCollum, who was an NC state commit at one point. Mm. Um, it's just funny that Nate McCollum is, ends up at UNC instead of uh, NC State after the period of years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, obviously big drama on whether Tez Walker, the other receiver, will be eligible right away or um, maybe after a game or two or uh, the NCAA is going to play that thing out. But um, they have a lot of running backs. They have a lot of defensive linemen. They, they do. Should, you know, and, it'll be inter- and because of how well they've recruited, but it'll be interesting to see like what they look like. And again, like I mentioned earlier, who knows what in the NC State UNC game at that time of the year? I mean, shoot, last year Ben Finley was the four-string quarterback starting against UNC. Mm-hmm. So no one saw that one coming. Who even knows? Yeah, <laughs> outdueled Drake May that night too. How about that? Well, I don't. I, outduel is a strong word, but <laughs> what Ben did is he didn't make mistakes, mm-hmm. and then uh, he got a great break when the DB completely fell and slipped on the grass, and Devin Carter got a nice, easy. Uh, I don't know if it was like fifty or sixty yards. When that's the best way of starting a game, having your cornerback fall on the ground and and have the receiver be wide open for the easy touchdown. Can't can't get any better than that. But <laughs> you know, but it shows just how good NC State's defense was last year that they did battle Drake May and did hold him down. And he didn't have um, all the time in the world. He didn't pick him apart. I don't think it was anything. I don't think it was a, a Drake May problem. I just kind of credit hey NC State's defense was just that good. We will have to see. Uh, we're going to come back and preview them, and that will wrap up our ACC previews. Well, good uh, deal. Yeah. So in the meantime, we're going to get out of here. Go find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He is at JC Zemball. Uh, and you can go find Mike at Mike McDaniel SI. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. Uh, or once again, go find JC at thewolfpackcentral.com, all one word. Uh, or, you know, just Google NC State Rivals. You'll find it there as well. Um, he's on YouTube, on Instagram, everywhere else. He told you to go find him. Go do that. Uh, we are also on Instagram and on YouTube, uh, at BC Podcast ACC on Instagram, uh, at, at the ACC Football Podcast on YouTube. Uh, go find us there. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere else you go find your podcasts. Uh, JC, really appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for coming on. Enjoy your weekend. You do as well. Until next time, for Mr. J.C. Zemble, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will talk to you again soon. Until next time, go Pack and go ACC. 